This is a podcast from Rover. The election is just over one week away. We've had David Seymour in from ACK. We've had Christopher Luxon in yesterday from National from the Greens. Today, Chloe Swarbrick. Hi, Chloe. What a A very good morning to you. And number three on the list. (laughs) (laughs) Auckland Central's here, baby. That's right. I think Uh, we're all in trouble if David Seymour's number one. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, well, they've been putting me up on TV to debate that guy since I was 23 years old. Yeah, I I know. They throw you. The last time we had you in, you were in with David yeah. Seymour in the studio. A whole three yeah. years ago, guys. Yeah. What does that say? Ago. You don't like me that much. <laughs> no. I blame him. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, no, it's no, actually like, him. It's well, almost. actually, Mulls, uh, we'll get to this. We'll get to this soon, actually. Mm. Mulls is uh, a new electorate. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. As it turns yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we have lots to get to. And there's a sticker on Mulls' lunchbox. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Drink bottle, which we'll need to get Someone to Someone put well. this on my yeah. ute. <laughs> in, oh. in urban SUV. Yeah, I've got to say, that's, that's not a Green Party endorse campaign. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. So, Chloe, as we said, we had Luxon in yesterday and we did like a 10 second, uh, you know, we had to, you know, like a game. game, 10 seconds on this. Have a listen here. 10 seconds on Winston Peters. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> silence. Okay. Silence says everything. Mm. Okay, what about 10 seconds on Chris Hipkins? Look, I mean, the most positive thing, as I said yesterday, that guy has done all campaign is get a COVID test. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought we'd give it uh, a go with yourself. Now, Mal's got your questions for mm, you. Yeah. They're pretty straightforward. Are we ready to go? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so 10 seconds on who your favourite Chris is. <laughs> <laughs> Red Chris, blue Chris. Um, look, I mean, uh, i got to say, I- I've worked with one of them in the Ministry of Education on tertiary education reforms. You'd say that much. <laughs> so you work with one of them. Okay, you work with one of them, and that's as far as we'll go. Oh, okay, I mean, uh, yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna work with our mates in yeah. labour, aren't we? But we're also gonna hold them to account. Yeah, nice. All right, ten seconds on David Seymour. A whole ten seconds. <laughs> well, uh, three left. Oh, no, I don't know how you can look at the consequences of Rogernomics and decide we need more of that in twenty twenty. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, what about ten seconds on Winston Peters? Oh man. <laughs> I think Uncle needs to sleep. Cup of tea and a lie down. That's one, yes. I'm with you. I'm with you. Get in the sea. Uh, right, this, this one. Ten seconds on legalising weed. It's just a common sense thing to do. I actually have a policy proposal for the Labour Party. If we want to raise tax revenue, you want something that's popular with at least half of the country, legalise cannabis. Yeah. Get on with it. Come on. Perfect. Okay. You've won a few votes there. Yeah. yeah. Okay, your last one. Ten seconds on how to stop Mouse's ute getting stolen in your electorate. <laughs> well, it got, got nicked a few weeks ago. We've got to prevent crime from upstream, right? So that means we've got to make sure that people aren't actually out there looking to engage in this kind of nonsense. So let's end poverty. That's, um, yeah, that's one way of ending suburban, uh, urban SUVs as well, <laughs> yeah. is just yeah. taking them. And we'll put them all down on Portland. I mean, they're already yeah. occupying all that space down there. <laughs> that was well great. Done. Uh, David Seymour in from ACT, uh, Chris Luxon in from National, and today Greens MP, Chloe Swarbrick. Welcome back, Chloe. Thanks very much. So three years ago, you think about how busy you were. So it was the, I mean, you might have forgotten, well, you wouldn't have forgotten, <laughs> but the, the cannabis referendum, that was, mm. the, that was the big, one of the big topics three years ago, wasn't it? So yeah. um, how's it been? Has it been a bit different this time? Because you were sort of the green spokesperson on that, weren't you? Yeah, and I guess to a certain extent because not many other politicians were willing to, I don't know, have the courage of their convictions ended up becoming the de facto spokesperson for the entire US campaign. Yes, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I think just on the issue of drug policy, I see at that point in time, like, of course, you know, we have ended up with a slim majority of people, 34,000 people, had 34,000 people voted in a different direction, we would have had legally regulated yeah, cannabis in yeah, this country. So yeah. I think that's the important thing to know. You had one and a half million people on either side. And even those who were ardently opposed mm, yeah. could not argue for retention of the status quo, which saw last year alone 180 people sentenced to prison for cannabis possession as their highest offence. So wow. we're spending good money after bad keeping the yep. way that we mm. currently do things and actually getting worse and worse outcomes. So sure, we had that failure by a slim margin of a specific proposal for how to regulate one substance. To me, that doesn't take off the table the moral or evidential imperative that politicians have to actually solve the damn problem, which yeah. is to get drug policy right in this country. But that aside, yeah. how's it going? Um, we managed to do some cool things, um, actually, even just in drug policy. I mean, I find it deeply ironic that, you know, you heard from the Minister of Health after that failed by that slim um, margin that this meant we couldn't do anything in drug policy. But we actually straight afterwards legally mm. uh, regulated drug checking services. We're the mm. first country in the world to do that. Yep. And mm. as a result, we'll save lives, won't have the same kind of incidents that we've seen in Oz with young people at yes. festivals mm-hmm. dying, yeah. um, consuming really dodgy oh, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so really proud of the policy gains that we've managed to make despite yeah. the way that the chips fell. Yeah. Uh, but long story short, this election, it's an interesting one, eh? I mean, I feel really, really good about the way that we've been organising on the ground uh, in Auckland Central in particular. Uh, we obviously made an historic win in 2020 against the red tide and now with things going in you know, a few other different directions, uh, we're feeling good about the fact that we're just focused on community building because I've definitely found you know, this general sense of anger and angst and exhaustion and all of the understandable stuff that people are feeling in the context of you know, the kind of hangover from the COVID fatigue. We've got obviously the cost of living pressures and I think here in Auckland, something which we do kind of underestimate, especially given how relentless the last few years is, yeah. the mental and emotional toll of the flooding and the cyclone as well. Yeah. And obviously need a shout out to the rest of the country who's had their fair share of extreme weather events too. So with all of that in mind and with a lot of people kind of saying politics hasn't worked for me for yeah. a really bloody long yeah. time, yeah. I'm not really interested in engaging with the system, which yeah. doesn't look like me, disenfranchises and yeah. disenchants me. Our kind of call to action is, well, let's just do some stuff locally and make you feel as though, and make us all feel as though we actually can contribute to stuff and get our hands dirty and change the world around us, whether it's by planting out berms or doing urban farms or helping out our neighbours or those who are less fortunate or whatever. And that starts to help people understand how we can scale up a sense of politics because it's not the Shakespearean soliloquies that happen in Parliament. It's no. actually just about power and it's about people. I think you hit the nail on the head there. A lot of people didn't feel like politics affected them in an everyday life until mm. like very recently. The, like yeah. the last four or five mm, years, mm, mm. you know, COVID, everything and the mm. policy and shaped the way that they restricted a lot of people's lifestyles that they grew a lot of resentment towards. Yeah, and i got to say as well, like that experience of COVID-19 really actually to me just exposed how much pretty much every, every public policy setting and the thing that we call the economy is actually just an amalgamation of political decisions which largely tend to reflect cultural norms and values, right? So you think about how for years and years and years we were told that direct payments to people who need them, impossible. Uh, you know, the likes of UBI or guaranteed minimum income, impossible. We were told that flexible working arrangements for people with disabilities or, I don't know, single parents, impossible. Mm. We were told that rent freezes, impossible. All of it happened virtually overnight, right? And it demonstrates that when the context is such that there is circumstances calling for these Mm. things, it can happen because it's just a matter of political willpower, which hopefully... I mean, I'd been hoping in my earnest and naive hope in the way that we can do politics and organise ourselves as communities, that that would have meant we'd all see that if we all just rally together and actually do call on our politicians to do the right damn thing, then it will happen. Yeah. But this is why we can't leave politics to the politicians, folks. Yeah. It happens yeah. outside of a three-yearly general election cycle.
Well, I was going to bring that up just quickly too, because uh, thanks for coming in as well. So, I mean, next weekend, I mean, you are right. There are people who, I mean, I'm getting texts saying, shut up about politics. And we, and, and we don't talk about politics a lot. Yeah. Uh, but the, it's like sex and drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but the thing is, the next Saturday, uh, the most important thing is, because a lot of people won't, you need to vote. Yeah, you do. You do. I mean, look, this is kind of just what I say to my old man and his mates, but anyone out there, if you are grumpy about stuff, yeah. if you go home and you complain, if you turn up at the pub and you complain to your mates about the way that things are, yeah. then maybe if we look a little bit upstream at the causes of those issues that you're complaining about, yeah. then you can come to see the political connections, right? Mm. This is the thing that I said back in 2017 um, when I was giving my maiden speech, I can name that that is in Parliament when I first came in. I said, if I can achieve one thing in my time in politics, it's to change people's perception of what politics actually is, because it's not all of the nonsense and argy-bargy yeah. that happens in the parliamentary chamber. It's decisions that impact people people's day-to-day lives. It's about power, it's about resources, and it's about decision-making. So as much as we can realise that within our communities and create change kind of from that grassroots outwards, I think we also start to actually feel a bit better about ourselves too. Mm -hmm. Because there is a real congruence here with the kind of mental ill health crises and how disconnected Mm -hmm. and alienated so many people feel. And again, that's reflected in contemporary research. Kia Oranga, Mental Health and Addiction Inquiry said, all of us are born with these genetics, which, you know, can be turned up or down a notch by virtue of the environment that we live in and things like poverty, a lack of certainty about the future, a lack of sense of belonging and connection all result in poorer mental health. And that's the kind of system, both economically, socially and politically, that we have fostered. But that can change as it has changed in the 30s and 40s in the wake of the Great Depression when we created the social safety net and in the 80s and 90s when we decided to shred it all up and now we live in the consequences. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming in. Look, uh, one week to go, all the best. Yeah, Thanks so much, guys. Think, Thanks, about, Chloe. Yeah, think about these decisions we've got to make for the good future luck. of our people and planet. Thank you, Chloe Swalbrick from the Greens. Uh, Thanks for coming in.